The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I am well pleased. On this trip that my family and I took over Christmas, because I guess, praise be to God, we got COVID in November, so we were able to, felt safe too. That's a blessing of it, I guess. Uh, My daughter introduced me to this game uh, on her phone, and so I downloaded on my phone. It's Connect the Dots, probably on yours if you're uh, pagan and use iPhone. It's probably Color Connect or something like that. It's addictive. I'm in rehab. Um, But it's this game where you have this grid, and you have all these colored dots, and you have to be able to connect the colors. And, And... In the beginning, it goes really, really well. It's quite easy, actually. You have about a five-by-five grid, and you just have to connect the dots. It's really not that hard. A lot of them are really easy. But then some of them start to get more difficult as the grid gets bigger and bigger because the number of colors doesn't change really too much. There's not much variation. But what ends up happening is that there's more space to fill. Because for some of them, as you start to get to like the nine by nine size or bigger, you can connect the dots rather easily, but you have all these open squares. And the problem is is that the game is not about just connecting the dots. The game is about filling in the spaces, to fill in the board. And as I was playing that game and watching my daughter play that game, I started thinking about the life of the church. I started thinking about the fact that we have to be reminded regularly, church, that Christ is the connector of the dots. Christ has to be the filler of the spaces. Or what ends up happening is we fill the spaces in with all sorts of other things that normally fail us or even get us into trouble. What COVID has done is it's brought to light in the church the fact that we used to be really good at connecting the dots, right? You'd have the dot at home and you have the dot at church and you'd go from home to church back again. Whatever the program might be, it could be Sunday morning, Sunday school, confirmation, quilting, meetings, whatever. And we're really good at that. But then COVID has come and hit us, and much of that got ripped away from us. And what did we discover? We had filled the space with so many things other than Jesus. And that Jesus has to come and fill those spaces in for us. And we got hit by that. 
that it's not just about home to church and back again. It's about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon when you're yelling at the TV because the Vikings lost again. All those spaces, all those spaces needing to be filled up. Because what does Jesus come to us and tell us? John 10.10. Most of you should know this. I've come that they might have life and have it more. What that's telling us is that Right now, apart from Christ, we don't have life. We fill it with all sorts of other things. We try to have life, but many of them don't become life-giving. They become life-draining often because we have to continually put energy into them. Whereas Jesus comes to us and says, no, I am your life. And so it becomes this constant need to be reminded of the wilderness and the riverbank and the preacher and that baptism. And that is our prayer this morning that we might remember those things. Because you see, first off, John the Baptist comes baptizing in the wilderness, it says. This is actually a callback to way back in Exodus 17, where the, the, the people of God are grumbling, which is what they're good at. That if you want to know how to summarize Exodus through Deuteronomy. That's the section that we usually get caught up in and stop reading the Bible through in a year. If you want to understand what it's about, it's just about because that's what the people of God do. And then God comes to Moses and says, I'm going to have you fix this. Well, the people of God in Exodus 17 have come to Moses and they're complaining because they're out in the wilderness, they're out in the desert, and there's no water. And so God says, okay, go take your staff. Go take your cane, and you're going to go to this rock, and you're going to hit it, and water's going to come out. I'm going to give life in the midst of death. I'm going to give life in the midst of the wilderness. So that it is that Paul takes it so far in 1 Corinthians 10.4 to tell us that that rock is actually Christ, giving life where there is none. And so anytime we look at this font, anytime we see people come to this font, anytime we touch this water, we should be taken back in time to Exodus 17, realizing that God gives life where there seems to be none. Because you have John the Baptist in the midst of the wilderness finding some water and bringing life with that baptism of repentance. Repentance and faith needing to have God fill up the spaces. Isn't that what Jesus says to the woman at the well? You remember that story, right? He comes and he sits down at the well and he's talking to a Samaritan woman, right? And they start arguing about buckets and wells and water and, and all these things. And what does Jesus tell her? She's worried about wanting to have water and he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. That's verse 13 of chapter 4 of John but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Water given with no bucket. No work on ours. All his work filling up the spaces that we need to have filled. Well, that's the mystery of faith. That's the mystery of the working of God, God moving, because we see in this narrative in, in Mark 1 that, that people are, are running out to John. They're running out to John, seeking this baptism from everywhere, confessing their sins. It wasn't like he was some televangelist offering some quick fix. He wasn't wearing a three-piece suit. Remember, this is a dude wrapped in camel's hair. 
I'm thinking itchy. I'm thinking chafing. I'm thinking his beard is covered in honey and he's got locust legs sticking between his teeth. And they're running to him. Why? Not because there's something appealing about him. Not because there was something appealing about his message, because if you read in some of the other accounts, he's not very nice. But they're coming because the Spirit of God is moving and filling in the spaces in the hearts of these people, seeking a turning back, seeking a return to God, a constant return. Those of you who have your catechisms at home, we have some available. If you you want one, they're only $2,000. Just let me know. This is the newest one that that we have from our our friends at Augsburg Fortress. But on page 30, we find the fourth question that that Luther writes dealing with baptism. And he says, what then is the significance of such a baptism with water? What's the importance of what happens here? What's the importance of how this ties to everything else in life? And he says, it signifies that the old person in us with all sins and evil desires is to be drowned and die through daily sorrow for sin and through repentance, and on the other hand, that daily a new person is to come forth and rise up to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. This calling forth upon us to remember our baptism regularly in part, because there's some days that we need to be humbled and there's some days that we need to be lifted up. To be constantly repenting, but also constantly finding new life in Christ. With this game, one thing I didn't tell you is that down on the, the, the bottom corner, there's a help button, big question mark, with, with, a, with a five next to it, where you're, you're going through the game and maybe you're stuck. You can press that and it'll fill in one of them for you. But you only get five. And then you, you wear out those five and then you have to suffer through a penance of watching a 30-second video ad. You can't, you can't fast forward through it. You, you, you have to watch it and then you get five more. A constant help, a recurring thing. And it's not a work that, that, that you necessarily want to suffer through all that much, but you do it because you need the help. Well, oftentimes it's what we need from our remembrance of baptism. That's what we need to remind ourselves of our need for help regularly without having to do penance, but instead receiving from God that which we need. Because that movement towards God, that, that movement towards the wilderness, that, that movement in our make-a-hash-of-it life, because that's what we mostly do is make a hash of it, that, that disconnected life that, that many of us have, that's, that, that life that we often want to deny of ourselves is actually what brought Jesus to that riverbank in the first place. It wasn't because that we were awesome that he ends up there. Because what ends up happening is he goes and he steps into that water and he, he, does, he does three things. Well, he does more than that, but I'm picking three because I can't count too high. Um, but the first thing he does is he sanctifies every other baptism after that. Because every other baptism after that, done in his name, is holy and righteous and perfect. That's why we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's tied to Christ. Secondly, he, he steps into that water and he identifies with sinners. Most of us have, have heard that, that connection because in other narratives it says we have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So he, he, he's the one who enters into that water and does this work. The way I like to teach it is you have this nice, cute, little, fluffy white sheep, right? Nice and cute, it's all pretty. It's been, it's been to the groomers. It's all just perfect. It's had its nails done. It's just wonderful. 
And it's approaching that river, and it's kind of a stagnant river, and it's, it's full of mud and gunk and, 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 and sewage and blood from the slaughterhouse up the river and, and all these things. And that, that nice little fluffy white sheep, perfect, steps into that water, and it's like a sponge, and it just starts soaking up all that gunk and everything, and it comes out the other side, and the river is now perfect, pristine, clear. You could bottle it and sell it. But now that sheep, its wool is all matted, it's got open sores, its jaws broken, missing an eye, it's limping. And that is what happens with Christ and his work for us. Because lastly, what ends up happening there is that his baptism becomes yours. And your baptism becomes his. So that when God spoke over Jesus there in that water, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, God also speaks that over you. Not because there is anything pleasing in you, but because he says it, because he wants it that way. You can hear that in Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Christ's baptism, that entering into that water, is yours. And yours is his. Also, Colossians chapter 2. When you were buried with him in baptism, that's verse 12, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses. Erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. There Christ becoming yours and you becoming his. So that when we bring a child here or anybody here to this font or when you do look at this font, you are not only transported back to Exodus 17, but you're transported back to that river, to that wilderness, to that preacher in camel's hair, to that water. Where you hear the words of, of calling forth of repentance, the, the hope is, is that when, when we bring our children for baptism and when we come here, we know that this is something that we need, that it's something that they need, that it's not just, well, we're supposed to, so we might as well. Or, oh, grandma wants us to, so we might as well. But instead, it being known. There's something here in the promises of God attached to that water. And the word spoken over that water, spoken over that child, lies life and salvation. That is one of the biggest roles that Pastor Carl and I have in confirmation is to try and teach you young people. This is about taking hold of those promises as yours, that you are child of God, beloved, in whom God is well pleased, not because you do anything to please him, but because he's announced that over you. Because that is what we need from him. And so the life of the church should become a life surrounded by holding to those promises and passing them on or else we forget them. Because what ends up doing, we, we, we get to connecting the dots, but we need the spaces filled up with something. And what do we find them filled up with? Politics? We've seen how that's gone for us for four years. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It hasn't gone well. Sports? If all your hopes are laid at the feet of the Vikings, I hate to tell you. I hate to tell you. Or the Dolphins. Oh, wait. Oh, I shouldn't talk about them. 
because we attach our things to so many things, work, family, whatever. And yet Christ stands forever because he's the one who has come to us and he has said, I'm going to connect the dots, I'm going to fill in the spaces. Why? Because I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. With that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.